Thank you so much. I did not uh, know they were singing that song as I prepared this message, but the Lord did. And so here it is. It just goes hand in hand. If you have your Bibles, would you open them please for a moment to Acts chapter number 27. Acts chapter 27. And I understand some of you have your Bible on your phone and iPods or iPads and, and they understand. But Acts chapter number 27. And if you have a cell phone, if you'd be so kind to turn it on mute and want every teenage guy, every teenage girl, either looking at the Bible or looking up at pastor. And so we want to honor the Lord this morning in church. And so we don't want to be a distraction. We don't want to get up and walk around, move around. I just want to stay put for about four hours. And no, we won't be that long. Someone's, someone just fainted. And so Acts chapter 20. Seven, the, the title of this book, uh, if you look at the beginning, is called Acts of the Apostles. And really you could call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the disciples. If you're wondering what kind of church did Jesus start, sometimes I'll speak across the country some and people can't wait to come visit our church here. And they wonder, is the pastor that crazy at his place as he is when he speaks at ours? So they want to meet the people. So the book of Acts is the church that Jesus started. And so we see a key character here. Uh, the uh, book of Acts uh, starts in Jerusalem. And then they're persecuted and it starts spreading. They send their first missionaries to start churches all throughout Europe and all throughout Asia one day those people would come to America and then around the world. So we're at the last two chapters in Acts. And we have a key character here. His name is the Apostle Paul. Paul was a persecutor of the Christians in the first century. He was a non-believer. He was upper crust in the political scene. He had a lot of power. He did not believe that Jesus was God. I don't know if he ever heard him preach or not, but he hated Jesus' followers. He thought Jesus was trying to overthrow the, Jew, uh, the, uh, Judea, uh, the Jewish religion. And he was very insulted, so he had arrested Christians. He would come into a church service, have people handcuffed, bound, thrown into prison, and then many of them killed. He held the jackets of people as they stoned one of the church leaders named Stephen. He would have been the Saddam Hussein of his day. He would have been the Vladimir Putin. He would have been the Osama bin Laden. Filled with hatred. And to look at the Apostle Paul, you'd say, that guy's never going to change. I hope God kills him soon. But God had other plans. On the road to Damascus, God shined a light down on Paul and blinded him. He became humble and blind. He heard a voice, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he looked up and said, Lord? Who art thou, Lord? He came up with the conclusion, it's the Lord. He is alive. He did rise from the dead, Jesus he said, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. And then Saul, Saul we believe, became a Christian immediately on that road. 
Everything he had believed had been wrong. He found out he was wrong in what he believed. And he put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ to forgive his sins right there on the road. He wasn't at a church. He wasn't at an altar. He was outside. Doesn't matter where you are as long as it happens. And then he said, he said, who art thou? That's how Christianity starts. You have to figure out, is Jesus who he said he was? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. He's the only way to heaven. That's who Jesus is. And you never have to ask someone, Jesus who? He doesn't need a last name. He's so famous, it's just Jesus. That's all we need to know. Then Saul asked, what wilt thou have me to do? The first thing every Christian needs to ask once they accept Christ is, now what do you want me to do for you? Here's what you did for me. Now what can I do for you the rest of my life? And so Saul's name, God changed him to Paul, which means little, little in his own eyes, but little as much when God is in it. And this proves to us God can save anybody, God can change anybody, and God can use anybody. You say, well, I don't believe that. Just look in the mirror. (laughs) Uh, Look at this crowd right here. Oft times I've, I've looked at some of our men and we can cut up and I've said, I'm glad I didn't know you in the day. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't know you in your non-Christian years. You say, how come, Pastor? Because some of you were hoodlums. Okay, and uh, we'll go, there, uh, go from there. So here is the Apostle Paul. Now, instead of condemning Jesus, he's preaching about Jesus. Every, every synagogue, every tabernacle, every church that'll have him, You you can't zip his lip. He's talking about Jesus. And he's talking about on the road to Damascus, noontime, I got saved. So now he's arrested for preaching. The Jews have put him in prison. He's now on a Roman ship headed toward Rome. He has appealed his trial. He's going to stand before Augustus Caesar. He's on a ship. So we notice here in Acts chapter number 27. Notice the passage. And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other person, uh, prisoners under one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band. And entering into the ship of Adridamia, we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia. One, Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. The next day we touched at Sidon. Julius courteously entreated us. He's on the boat. They've gone about 40 miles. They've made a stop at this town. Everything's fine. Verse 4, when we had launched from thence, we sailed unto Cyprus because the winds were contrary. When we had sailed over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there was this centurion, found a ship of Alexandria, sailing into Italy. And he put us thereon. Uh, they're in. Now they put Paul on a different ship. We believe it is a cargo ship. Where's, uh, where's Alan Hambley? Uh, he's an engineer on the ship. Import, export. It was filled with wheat. They were bringing wheat from Egypt to Rome. So they put Paul and a bunch of prisoners on there. Verse 7. When uh, we had slowly sailed many days and scarce were come over against Snidus, the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete. These are islands close to Greece. 
over against Salmon. And hardly passing it, came unto a place which is called the Fair Havens, uh, nigh whereunto was the city of Lassia. So just quickly here, a little introduction. The, the sailing is smooth. The sailing is smooth. He has had three sharp little sails. He's not to Rome yet. It's pretty smooth. I want to say this. Throughout scripture, sailing often is, is a symbol of life. We still use uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the terms. We'll say, how's your journey going? How's that voyage of expecting a trial? It's a nine-month voyage. It's a journey. So we still use nautical terms. You get it? Life can be very smooth and then change in an instant. You that are a little bit older, you know what I'm talking about. Just because the, the seas are calm in your life right now, don't expect them to always remain that way. You say, well, pastor, what did I do so bad that God would allow a storm in my life? Sometimes we cause our own storms. I still remember, I was, I was visiting someone in jail. I don't think it was you, but I was... I was in an elevator and a police officer got on the elevator. A woman was handcuffed. Her hands were behind her back. Uh, she's in a real pretty dress and mascara is running. She's crying and crying. And, uh, another police officer got on the elevator and I'm just being quiet. And he said, Ralph, what did this woman do? He said, I wasn't going to arrest her. I pulled her over, going to give her a warning. And then she got all hostile, made obscene gestures at me, started cussing me out. I, I got her out, handcuffed her. I'm arresting her. Now, that woman caused her own storm. Sometimes we cause a storm. Sometimes people related to us, even parents, sometimes cause a storm. And because we're in the family, we're going through it because we're on the ship. That's why it's so important how we behave and the choices we make. Because our choices can send many others through some storms they don't deserve. Then sometimes Satan sends storms. He hates us. If you have Jesus Christ as your Savior, he hates you a lot. Just because you're human, God, uh, excuse me, Satan hates you. You're made in the image of God. And every time he sees you, you remind him of God that created you and he hates it. He hates it. Sometimes it's Satan. And then sometimes God simply allows a storm in our lives. Sometimes it's not real important why the storm. But what's important is what do I do during this storm? And so we see right here, notice verse 9. When uh, now much time was spent, when sailing was now dangerous... There are some times in life when sailing is more dangerous than others. Here you go. Youth. You young people, you teenagers, Satan would love to wreck your life by doing something stupid, something foolish, something you learned on TikTok, hanging around the wrong crowd, speeding 150 miles an hour down a street, uh, 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 sniffing some drugs, uh, getting drunk for the first time, uh, uh, taking something, you don't know what it is, responding to a death. There's 
there's all these things. Sometimes during youth, life is more dangerous than when you're 89. Pray for me, Pastor. I'm 89. I'm undergoing a lot of temptation these days. Really? You're tempted to get out of bed or you're tempted to go to the bathroom or tempted to eat? I mean, tell me about this temptation. Youth also a new convert or a new Christian. You just became a Christian. You just prayed and accepted Christ. He washed your sins away. Maybe you even got baptized too. And man, you're just getting your Bible and just learning for the first time and figuring out what you believe. That's about the time the false cults come by your house. Hey, you love the Bible? We're going to teach you the Bible. See, you're not grounded. Your roots aren't real deep. It's a, it's a dangerous time for sailing. As soon as you get saved, be careful. Discouragement comes. Well, well, I became a Christian and I lost my job. I became a Christian and my car got in a wreck. Hey, uh, uh, what kind of God would do this? And, and it's so easy to, to turn away. Amen. If it's your first year of marriage. By the way, my wife and I have been married 45 years. Now, almost 45 years. Amen. 25 happy She told someone the other day, the first 44 is the hardest. <laughs> but if it's the first year, hey, it's not as easy as it looks. Oh, I'm in love. Oh, love. We're just going to live on love and here's the ring. And then it's, uh, why do you squeeze the toothpaste in the middle? <laughs> what do you mean? You, you just squeeze. No, no, you start at the bottom and you roll. Do what? And why do you put the toilet paper on the roll the other way? Look, don't, don't make me have to reach for it in the back. It should be coming off the front. And that's just toothpaste and toilet paper. That's just the tease. And then there's communication. And, and you made me cry. And you said this. And your mother. <laughs> I never thought it would be like this. You treated me better when we were dating. Well, we're not dating now. Here's the license. That first year, some dangerous waves. I tell pastors, they're going to start a church. Be careful. First year, it's hard. If you can get through that first year, you can make it. We got to get to the message. I got all kind of notes. We haven't got to any of them. We're going to skip those pictures, Paul. I'm sorry. Those were good pictures. I had PowerPoint and all kinds of stuff. We'll skip those. We'll maybe show them Friday night at a ladies' conference or something. So here it is. Look down here, please, in verse number 10. Paul said to them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with much hurt, much damage, not only to the lading of the ship, but also to our lives. So Paul is on the boat, 276 prisoners. He said, fellas, I don't think you ought to sail. You say, well, what would Paul know about sailing? By this time in Scripture, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-five says, I was thrice shipwrecked. Paul had already been on three ships that wrecked and it said he spent a night and a day in the deep. So the ship actually broke. He was floating in the water for a day and a half. Paul knew something about shipwrecks. He knew something about danger. He had experience. He, he, he said, hey fellas, I don't think we ought to sail in this condition. And it says in verse 11, nevertheless, the centurion believed the master the owner of the ship, more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Paul was outvoted. The owner said, we're sailing. 
The master, we're sailing. The captain, we're sailing. Paul, you're just a preacher. And so he got outvoted. Notice what happens. Look down at verse number 13, 14. It says, but not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind. You can look that up. It means typhoon or a hurricane on the water. Three times it's used. When the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. You say, well, pastor, how bad did it get? Look down in verse 18. We were exceedingly tossed with a tempest. The next day they lightened the ship and it talks about some things they did. You say, what do you mean, pastor? All these storms, storms of health, Storms of ambulance rides where people pick you up. You didn't even call them. They just pick you up and bring you somewhere. Storms of surgery. Storms of conflict in a marriage. Storms of a wayward child. Storms of betrayal. Someone you thought was a friend, they stabbed you in the back and turned that knife. Storms of hospital visits. Storms of friends turning on you, storms of divorce, storms of financial reversal, storms of losing a job you thought you were going to retire at. There's all sorts of storms. These passages are not written just to tell us about a guy who got on a boat and took a trip. It applies to our lives. We will all face storms and it's how we go through it. Some of you this morning, I know, I know your situation. I know you're going through a storm right now. I could name uh, each pew. I could, each pew, I could pick someone who's going through a major storm right now. <clears throat> Others, just been through one. Some, it's coming. It's thundering right now. Boy, isn't that a way to live? Hey, here's the good news. You're going through a storm, just went through one or about to. Hey, God bless you. I came to church to hear that. That sure is negative. Turn on the thunder right now. Anyway. So what do you do? Here's the practical thoughts. What did Paul do during this storm? And what are some practical things you can do? What can you do? Look, you can't get off the ship. You can't abandon the ship. You're on the ship in the middle of the sea of life. So what do you do? You didn't cause it. But you're on the boat. Number one. Listen to God's man. When you get to church and he's got a Bible in his hand, if he's preaching the word of God, listen attentively. Paul stood up. He said, said, look, now we're in the storm. I told you so. He just gently said, I told you. I told you. I wonder how many people have been in my office through the years who've said, I wish I'd have listened. And you'd be, you'd, be, you'd be impressed. I never say, I told you so. I write it down and hold it up in front of them, but I never say, I tried to tell you. I tried to warn you. Just listen. Take notes. Be attentive. Don't be distracted. Pray before you come to church. Lord, I want to act like I'm the only one here. Speak to me. You got something to tell me. You know my situation. What am I supposed to do? And I want to say this too. If you're a Christian, 
I want to remind you, God is on your boat. He didn't send you out on the ship alone. He rides in your vessel. You're not alone. Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You're not alone. You're with him. He's called the comforter. It means alongside of. He's there. He's not abandoned you. I want to say this too in the scripture. It says, all hope, verse 20, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. It looked pretty hopeless. They're throwing furniture overboard. It is pitch black. It said for several days they couldn't see the stars. It was so dark they couldn't see how to navigate. They didn't have Alan with them. That's why. So what's some practical things? Number one, listen to God's man. Number two, lighten the ship. Lighten the ship. It said they began throwing things overboard and uh, much of this says they cast They cast the furniture. They started throwing the wheat out. What they were bringing to Rome, they started throwing overboard. What's that mean? You got to lighten some things off your cargo ship. Guilt is too heavy. Get rid of some guilt. Make some confessions to the Lord. Confess to somebody. You got unconfessed sin in your life. You got hidden sin. It's too heavy to go through a storm. Confess it. You got a grudge towards someone. I've hated that guy 38 years. I'll hate him to my grave. Well, you're going to sink. You're going to sink. Some of these heavy things in life, you've got to throw overboard. Maybe the Lord's sending you through a storm so you'll throw some stuff off you thought you needed to carry your whole life. What else? Paul spoke up. He said, I believe God. I love Paul. He's in the storm too. The eternal optimist. When you go through a storm, you need to get a pole on your boat. You need to get someone going through your storm with you that's just like Paul who says, be of good cheer because God spoke to us. You say, what do you mean? I believe God. I believe God where he says, There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God will, with the temptation or trial, make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. What's that mean? I have to hurry. Old illustration. Years ago, Alan, correct me after church when no one's around if this isn't right. I was told years ago on the import-export ships when they'd go across the ocean, Greedy owners would load that ship till, I mean, it was almost capsized. And many of the ships would capsize in a storm. So a fellow by the name of Robert Plimsoll engineered, came up with a formula, and he put a line on every ship. And he said, you cannot load the ship past that mark. When that line touches the water, that's all you can load. God has put an invisible plimsoll mark on every one of us. He knows how much you can handle. He knows the load you can carry. And when that touches the water, he says, hold it. That's it. No more. I promised. We've got a wonderful God. He knows what your limitation is. He knows how much you can handle. I believe God. But we know that all things work together for good to them that Love the Lord and that are called according to his purpose. We know these things. 
want to say this, decide to go forward, not backwards. Sometimes people that used to have addictions, especially alcohol and drugs, when they go through a storm, you know what they do? They start drinking again. They go through a storm, they're trying to cope, so they start using again. The Bible said that during the storm, it's in that chapter, some of the men, and it uses the word colors, went by colors, it means deceit, and they lowered the little dinghy boat down to act like they were examining the ship to see what they could fix. They were, they were bailing. They were going to leave the ship, head towards shore, leave everyone behind. They were escaping. And Paul said, hey, except you abide in the boat, you will not be saved. Then they cut the ropes. They let the boat go. They cut it off. Some of you have some, some past activities and past associates you need to cut the ropes. You need to cut the ropes. Well, if this marriage doesn't work out, I think I can always go back to Gertrude. Well, if, if this God stuff doesn't work, I can always go back the way I used to. If living straight and, and making an honest dollar doesn't work out, I can always go back to stealing and smashing and grabbing. It was Cortez. Study your history. Cortez got his men out of their ships and says, we're charging, we're taking over this country. And then he set all the ships on fire. And as the men started charging in battle, they looked back. They didn't have anywhere to go back. Some of you need to burn your ships. You need to burn that old life and say, not going back. Didn't make me happy then. It's not going to make me happy later. It was full of guilt. It was full of shame. I wasn't at my best. It wasn't full of God. I'm done with that lifestyle. I've got a brand new lifestyle. I'm going forward, not backward. That's what they did. That's what Paul did. Then the Bible says, Paul said, look, we've been two weeks without eating. Now, you know, these people on the boat were not Baptists. It was two weeks without eating. Paul said, eat something. We're tired, we're beat. Eat something. The parallel in scripture, God calls this book, this Bible, meat, milk, honey, bread, water. It's all you need. Jesus said to the devil, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. If you're going to get strength for life, you're going to have to spend a lot of time in this book. When you're going through a storm, don't just turn on the TV. Open the Bible. Turn the TV off. Spend time in this book. This is where your strength's going to come from. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Woo! I can make it on that. He alone is my rock. So many scriptures. And then Paul said, before he prayed, he gave thanks. Find something to be thankful for. Find something to be thankful for. So my wife had surgery, <coughs> excuse me, two years ago, April 1st. Many of you know the story, 80 days in the hospital, 21 days ICU. It was a blotched uh, gallbladder surgery. They cut the bile duct. She became septic. All these tubes hooked up, all these drains. 
I'd chase those doctors down the hallway in the hospital. I'd say, I have a list of questions. I just need to know, is she turning the corner? Is she going to live? Sir, she's very, very sick. We cannot say anything like that. Uh, she is very, very sick. A lot of people don't make it. But, but, but is she going to... You say, well, what can you be thankful about this? Well, one, she lived. Second, second, every day I look at my wife and say, did I tell you? I sure I'm glad you're alive and you're at home. She said, I think you told me a few times. I tell you what, I've been good to that woman. Not before we were married. But not the first 44 years, but this last year's been real good. You know, God can take a tragedy and a storm and have some good come out of it. My first night in Napa, someone had given me a bus to move here. And this was kind of the arrangements. The phone call was, we'd like you to be the pastor at this church. It was 30, almost 38 years ago, but we don't have money to pay you. And we're not sure where you will live. I thought, what a deal. <laughs> won't have to worry about money problems. Me and my wife will never fight over money, but we won't have any to fight over. We pulled into town on that bus. Someone stopped me. They said, are you Pastor Ray from Louisiana? Yep, uh, follow me. We've rented a house. I fell on the couch, just about unconscious. Just stay in the back, girls. Just stay in the back, okay? Just stay back there. I'm almost done. I'm laying on the couch. There's a knock on the door. I thought, someone's brought us a meal. Someone answered the door, and here's what was said. I don't even know why you came. The ship is sinking. We're in debt. I don't know why you'd move here. Slam. That was my welcome to town. But I believed God. He had always taken care of me. He wanted a church in this town. He had you in mind. Some of you were not even born at that time, 38 years ago. But he said, my son died for everyone in the Napa area. And we got to get a church going. We got to have that thing. God's good. Now let me just give you this personally and then I am finished. Pastor, what have you done through the storms of your life? And mine may not seem like storms to you. Your storms may not be as big as others. They may dwarf others. Here's what I've done practically when I have felt like I'm in the middle of a storm. One, I read this book out loud. How come? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Your mind doesn't drift when you're reading out loud. If you can't pronounce all the words, just say hard name, went to hard name. So-and-so married a hard name. It's okay. There'll be enough in there to help you. Read it out loud. Second, pray out loud. Stop all this silent prayer. When you're alone, open your mouth. Father, here's what I'm going through. I'm your child. I just want you to know, I don't know what to do. I don't have any strength. I don't know when this is going to be over. I need extra help. I'm not going to quit. And you need to out loud pour your heart out to him. Number three, remove yourself from fearful people. 
If I'd have had some fearful people around me 38 years ago, the ship is sinking. Why did you come here? I don't think you should. That wouldn't have helped me. We all have fearful people, doubter Thomases, that we know don't hang around them during the storms of life. Next, constant gospel music. What's that do? When you wake up, you hit that button. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. Wow. I like that. I play gospel music morning till night. In the background, it's keeping me from depression. My mind is on heaven and Jesus, not on my problems and storm. And then last, heavy on the soul winning. Heavy on the soul winning. During COVID, I thought I was just going to die. Not from COVID, from heartbreak. When your church goes from hundreds and hundreds to two people, the pastor and whoever's sending the live stream, it's discouraging. Try preaching and saying, some of you ladies, and it's one man in the sound booth. (laughs) Hey, teenagers, look up here. And there's no teenagers in the whole building. It was weird. Know what I did? Three times a week, I was out with my little mask on, social distance, 15 feet from the door. So pastor, we're inviting people to watch uh, live stream. <laughs> I couldn't even invite them to church. How would you like to watch our live? It's weird. But the more I went, the more it helped me go through that storm. Now God's given you the recipe. You can go through any storm he allows. Don't go to it. Go through it. And I'll end with this. And I could start here. Really, I could go down every row. And I know the storm. In in, uh, 37 years, I know the storms you've been through. Know what encourages me? There's enough people been through such a variety of storms in our church. If I'm facing one of those, all I have to do is look one of you up and say, hey, hey, can I buy you coffee? I'm about to go through a storm you already made it through. What'd you do? How'd you make it? Give me some advice. I need you. Can you go through a storm properly so you can help others when they go through it? It might be your kids and your grandkids come to you one day, Mama, Papa, we know you went through this and now we're going through this. I buried a dad. Buried a mom six months ago. Thought I was going to bury myself recently. They never end. They never end. But up there is a verse in Revelation. It says, up in heaven there'll be no more sea. Now there'll be water. I think what he's saying is, no more storms. All calm. The song, sometimes he'll calm your storm. Sometimes he'll calm the saint. Either way, it's a win-win situation. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, he loves you. He went through the storm of storms 
on that cross and suffered our hell for us. Paid for our sins and rose again. He can handle any storm you have. Accept him today. Receive him as your savior. If you've been saved and never been baptized yet, let me encourage you. That'll help you during your storm. God always blesses obedience. If you're facing the storm, we've given you some things. And I hope you'll take them and run with it.